Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. With me, your co-host, Mackenzie Koss. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Brand Collective podcast. Today, we have Mark Meissner, Director of Marketing and Advertising at Quick Trip. Welcome on, Mark. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for the time. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. So... I'm sure a lot of people recognize Quick Trip or have stopped at one from time to time. So for those of you yeah. who aren't familiar, uh, do you mind giving us an overview of what Quick Trip is? Absolutely. We are a convenience store headquartered in the Midwest. Um, there's a Quick Trip with a Q, so we do have some confusion at times. Um, but we are Quick Trip with a K here in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, and also the UP of Michigan. Uh, also opening some stores in South Dakota this next year. And we, uh, again, operate about 850 stores in this region, family-owned company as well, and uh, continue to have a very aggressive growth strategy as we kind of expand our box and continue to grow our footprint in the Midwest. Uh, can you tell us from your perspective what makes Quick Trip unique? We are a unique business in our category. We are basically a grocery store format, uh, kind of a small format grocery store. Um, we sell a ton of hot food, more of a grab-and-go type of variety. We sell a ton of fuel, as you can imagine, still have a lot of the same convenience store offerings as a uh, conventional convenience store. But what makes us a little bit unique is, uh, is we're a vertically integrated company. And what I mean by that is we basically make product, we ship it and we sell it. We have about 130 acres in La Crosse, Wisconsin, with a ton of different production facilities here. We have a, uh, a bakery that is just dedicated to uh, bread and bun production which is the size of three football fields and uh, highly automated. We have multiple bakeries here. We have an entire kitchen commissary where we're making everything from pizzas to burritos to salads to fresh cut fruit and vegetables. And so again, just that vertical integration we have is a bit unique. We have our own transportation division of roughly 300 trucks and drivers and we're de delivering to every store every day, which is even unique in the grocery space. You don't find many grocery stores getting fresh shipments of products on a daily basis and we do a quick trip so definitely unique in our space it reminds me of maybe trader joe's or something that where they, yeah you're exactly right they're like directly in, in charge of their own production and their brand is so cohesive yeah. right you're exactly right and how has your unique background in sports and radio shaped quick trips marketing strategy well you know uh, for me i spent a lot of time in the radio business as a salesperson on both the management side and the salesperson side and I think through uh, years of selling media, uh, I was pretty decent as a consultative seller. I mean, I really wanted to understand the businesses that I was working with at the time. And so to understand some of the challenges that business owners had, um, I think it put me in a unique position to better understand some of those challenges and solutions. And at this point, you know, jumping from one side of the desk to the other, from basically media to retail, uh, now being able to take maybe some of those problem solving, um, you know, situations and being able to marry whether it's, you know, broadcast radio or many other platforms that would help to uh, maybe overcome a challenge or promote a product or certainly to drive traffic in our stores or create an awareness. I think I just had a good sense for what that was or is just based on, again, many years of just working in radio in, in a sales role. Can you talk a little bit about your take on the state of media today? Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. Um, 20 years ago when I was selling radio, you know, you certainly had a handful of TV stations and cable stations. And 
you had terrestrial radio. This is really prior to the digital age. It made, you know, certainly working in media a little bit easier. And you had a newspaper, believe it or not. Remember that? People used to buy, you know, ads in newspapers. <laughs> but uh, but when you look at, you know, standard outdoor newsprint, maybe some terrestrial radio, TV, I mean, that was really kind of the scope of, of media and advertising. And so it made it made advertising, purchasing advertising fairly easy because we didn't have this fragmented um, situation that we see today. Um, now, 20 years later, we see this massive um, movement towards digital. And you see, I mean, digital can mean a lot of different things, right? We've got social platforms and we've got lots of digital platforms and we have pre-roll and we've got all of these different uh, different social platforms in general that we can target individually as well, instead of just as in an in general uh, phrase. But then you start to look at, again, some of the traditional uh, fronts that we have in media, look at connected TV and where that whole thing is going. And it's just never been more fragmented. I think the, the, the positive side is that if you really want to dig down and find a target consumer, we have the ability to do that. It's not necessarily inexpensive to do it, but we have the ability to do that now through certainly digital tools that are at our disposal. Um, but I think that's what makes it challenging at the same time. It makes it fun that we can hyper-target programs and hyper-target to end consumers, which I think as marketers gives us more potential than it ever has. But it does, you know, certainly create some challenges along with it, but uh, certainly different today than it was even 10 years ago. Can you talk about which channels might we find Quick Trip and, and maybe how you still align with some of that terrestrial radio as a, as a good uh, marketing channel? My background's in radio, so I have a real appreciation for, I think, how impactful radio can be. I think when you look back at the world of radio, um, what's interesting is, I think, live jock endorsements. I mean, I think a lot of the radio jocks that I grew up with were really the first influencers, if you think about that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I think people have a lot of emotional connection to their morning or afternoon drive jocks on radio. Uh, certainly with drive times um, being what they are in a lot of markets across the country. Um, there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time in their cars, you know, with their commutes, and uh, they really do have an emotional connection with their radio personalities. And I think having an opportunity to connect at that level with listeners emotionally through live endorsements or through really unique, uh, creative uh, in the radio space, I think is effective. There are some markets we work in, like Minneapolis-St. Paul is a market, very vibrant local radio market. Uh, we typically buy six, seven, eight stations deep. And I find when I do that in Minneapolis, we actually reach over 80, sometimes close to 90% of the market with just terrestrial radio. And so other markets tend to be a little bit more digital focused um, in terms of digital audio. But Minneapolis is one of those markets we can be um, we can be really successful in reaching the market with terrestrial radio. And I think radio is still a very good buy. And it allows us um, basically, you know, big reach, but at the same time, great frequency in terms of being able to really stretch our advertising dollar. And again, just that emotional connectivity what we that we have with listeners of a particular station or genre of music, or again, that like their their particular, you know, jock and morning or afternoon drive. So again, it provides a lot of benefits to Quick Trip. And it almost feels like for such a, a local and community-based operation, uh, terrestrial radio is just such a wonderful way to just connect with people right there in that community. You really work with different communities in, in really interesting ways. 
Uh, can you talk about some of your sports partnerships and some of the activations that you guys do? As you talk about emotional connectivity, that's why I like local radios because we have the ability to do that and stay local. Like we want our brand to be local and active in the communities that we're in. I think music provides some of that, you know, you, whether it's music based, you know, radio stations or it could be concerts. We're involved in the concert business a little bit and like to get involved in festivals. I think sports is is really unique because I think it's one of the last pieces of content that people consume live. And even growing up in, in Wisconsin with uh, uh, the Green Bay Packers or the Milwaukee Bucks or the Brewers or the Wisconsin Badgers, for me, I was always a diehard sports fan. And having connectivity with those teams was always uh, something that just drove me emotionally. I mean, when the Packers lose on Sunday, God forbid, I mean, the water cooler discussion, I mean, the productivity in Wisconsin goes down significantly on Mondays uh, after a Packers loss. But Yes. But I think anytime we can we can merge and, and blend our brands uh, to basically be a partner with a sports team is something that we take advantage of. So we are we're very, very active with all of our sports teams, professional teams, collegiate teams and Wisconsin, Minnesota and Iowa specifically. But then we look to activate those sponsorships. And what I mean by that is not only are we going to probably purchase some access through the organization. I always like having full IP rights, you know, the intellectual property. I like being able to merchandise those logos on whether it's a print piece or whether it's our digital display in stores or whether it's a social or digital platform. I like to be able to put our logos together. And then um, we even incorporate some of our vertically integrated products. For example, we're the official pizza of the, of the Minnesota Vikings actually serve our pizza at US Bank Arena. We have the same partnership with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so we like to connect some of our brands with those teams directly as well and and have a lot of high profile promotions with them. Because I think, again, it's really one of that. It's the last space, I think, again, to connect with people, highly supercharged emotional environment with sports teams. So it's one that we take advantage of. Do you see loyalties form as a result of your efforts through these sports and activations? I mean, we do. I mean, I think we connect with our consumers on so many different levels. There's just a strong uh, emotional connectivity there. And I think what's really elevated that in the last 10 years is social media. So we have a super dynamic social media team. We have well over a million followers on all of our different social platforms. And we create a lot of fun, lighthearted content. And I think that's really elevated our brand with our core consumers. Um, you know, certainly social media can be a bit toxic. Certainly, I think there are some some reasons to be a little bit careful as you tread those waters. But our team has been able to do an amazing job of just continuing to connect emotionally, um, again, with uh, well over a million consumers. Every single week, we've had great success with TikTok and a lot of success with certainly Instagram and Facebook's been a stable for us. Uh, continuing to use Twitter, of course, um, and many other you know social up and coming channels that we can access. But I think that's been a huge part of that connectivity, even outside of sports and music has been social media. Yeah, it's such a fascinating thing um, because and I don't mean to, to sound offensive in any way, but it feels like convenience stores maybe don't have a connect, like they're there when you need them. Like, oh good, here's an exit. I'm gonna pop in here, get some gas, get a soda, get some snacks, pop out. But over this conversation, I'm hearing it's a family run business. We, we make all our food in a huge kitchen. We connect with people through local sports teams and local events. We, you know, like this is all really poignant stuff uh, that I don't know that I would ever expect coming out of a chain like this. Um, but it makes sense that people then form such a strong bond with this brand. And you're on TikTok. 
<laughs> it's, it's just amazing. Well, you know, the other thing we we didn't touch on is the fact that just this whole world of influencers now, we have about 40 influencers that we work with at uh, Quick Trip. Again, that's another way to connect with with pockets of people, you know, whether it's working moms or whether it's with, you know, a couple of sports athletes or comedians or whatever it would be. But I think, again, that's created another opportunity for us in a very unique space. But I would agree with you. You don't typically think about convenience as a, as a company that um, would have this type of a relationship with its consumers. But I just got back from a from a conference in Dallas and a lot of different convenience stores that are there, but there's a lot of connectivity and convenience. Um, you know, even outside of Quick Trip, you know, there are uh, convenience store chains. A lot of them are family owned too. You know, the Wawa's of the world on the East Coast and the Sheetses and Casey's is a publicly traded company, but they have quite a following as well. You find that um, convenience stores are really kind of on the cutting edge of of what they do to engage and, and work in their communities, give back in their communities. Um, I, I saw a stat that uh, half the U.S. population every day stops into a, a convenience store, yeah, you know, absolutely. so our connectivity. Yeah, which is a staggering wow. number uh, in the middle of the summer, even just in our stores, in our footprint, we'll see ballpark of 16, 17, 18 million people in our stores every single week. And uh, there aren't many companies that can claim to have that kind of traffic, you know, in their stores on a consistent basis. So. We do. We touch. A, we touch a huge part of uh, of the U.S. on a daily basis. I was in a convenience store recently. I went skiing last weekend, and there was a, an AI checkout uh, innovative device where you just set whatever products you wanted, and it and it scanned them, and and then you paid through the AI. Sure. Uh, right. Are you guys working with any kind of um, of the moment technology that'll increase? efficiency or or it it almost gave me kind of a wow factor because there was no scanning or anything it was just place them on in this little box right. and then leave <laughs> yeah the, the technologies for you know having this frictionless you know retail environment uh it's really pretty spectacular it is i mean we're we're venturing into um self-checkout so just scanning the items yourself and submitting a credit card and, and obviously exiting the store you know we uh we kind of pride ourselves on, you know, just the interaction that we have with many of our consumers, but knowing that some consumers don't want interaction, they want to get in and out. And, you know, certainly we want to accommodate them as well, but we're kind of known as that uh, neighborhood store that again, we know our customers, we want to know our customers, we want to interact with them. Um, you know, I'm sure again, technology is going to continue to go down that path. I mean, I've seen different technologies as soon as you pull an item off of a shelf, you know, it just automatically bills it to your credit card once you set up an account. So you're right. It's really interesting where the technologies are going. I think here in the Midwest, we're insulated from that a little bit. I think, you know, that'll all start on the coast and kind of work its way to us. But uh, we're looking at ways to, you know, make the shopping experience better for our guests the way they want to use it. And right now, I think, again, we're a little bit shielded in the Midwest and people still like that personal one-on-one -on -one interaction. That's so important because that's how you build the relationships and what people want to come back for again and again. Um, because I know Quick Trip being growing up in lacrosse and being raised there. And I can just remember going as a little kid. That's where we went. We would always make an effort. If there was an exit, I remember my dad would wait. There's not a Quick Trip at this exit. We're going to the next one versus, you know, going somewhere else. So um, 
yeah, I I can attest that there is such a, in a way, your own cult following of what you guys have built and how you've expanded, especially in the digital space and stayed relevant and then even grown. I secretly wish you had some out here in Colorado, but I know you're not coming out West. So I'll just you have to know. keep visiting. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> well, I like that. Yeah. You can't say, you can't say never. I mean, uh, again, our, our, our family's aggressive. We want to continue to grow. We're, we're going to build, you know, 30 to 50 new stores a year. Um, yeah. So it's, it's an aggressive growth model. And at some point we're going to have to go outside of our box and, and we'll see what direction we go. I'd like to go back just on your history in marketing and how you ended up at Quick Trip, if you can kind of walk us through that. I got my uh, my start in, in in actually sports marketing. Started working in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, for a minor league hockey team. And the the cool thing about that experience is it allowed me to do everything. I could I could sell, so I was selling radio and dashboards and under ice advertisements and running down to to buy to to, to get somebody a sweatshirt to purchase or selling group tickets or whatever it was. It really gave you a taste of everything and. I realized very, very quickly, I actually enjoy the, the world of sales. Um, I don't think most kids probably going to college today, if you were to ask them at their you know junior or senior year time frame of their college career, how many people want to leave college and sell? And I don't think a lot of hands would go up. But you know, typically, that's what a lot of people end up doing. But I just found I enjoyed the interaction. I enjoyed um, the actual you know smiling and dialing and getting prospects on the phone and talking about some solutions to, you know, whatever it is that they were trying to accomplish. But I just thought I enjoyed that. So I, I found a niche very quickly in sales and spent five years in Cincinnati and had my next opportunity of working in broadcast sales to get a job with the Indianapolis Colts radio network in Indianapolis for about three years. And then uh, jumped uh, to back to my home team. I worked with the Green Bay Packers radio network for about 10 years and sold the Green Bay Packers radio network and some of the ancillary programming that went along with that. Uh, also had a stint with uh, the University of Wisconsin, worked with Learfield for a few years. And actually during that time, uh, began to uh, work with Quick Trip at that time. And it was an account that was given to me. I was primarily working on new business development, but there was a coworker who left Learfield and was working with uh, Quick Trip. And they asked me if I would handle that account in the meantime and uh, got to uh, know the director of marketing. And after a, about a year of working with him, ironically, he was getting ready to retire and called me one day and said, I'm retiring from a quick trip. And I think you're the right guy to replace me. So it was uh, really one of the nicest things anybody's ever done, but it was a little intimidating for me because all I had known is the world of uh, selling and, and uh, you know, kind of the consultant side of, of what we did and enjoyed radio and, and sports a lot in the, over the, the course of my career. Uh, but I also thought, well, I always heard a lot of really neat things about quick trip and we didn't have a ton of quick trips in southeastern Wisconsin where I live, but certainly I would go out of my way when traveling to stop at a store and uh, came out to quick trip for a day and met with a family ownership and a few of our vice presidents here and came back and horrified my wife and said, hey, I think I'm going to take a job in lacrosse and we're going to move to uh, the other side of the state and had a couple of kids in high school at the time. So that was a little dicey. But now seven years later, it's been the most wonderful move. You know, again, as you mentioned earlier, I was able to take a lot of that, you know, previous nearly 30 years of selling and working with uh, companies on, on working through marketing plans and devising, uh, helping to create, you know, advertising platforms and initiatives and radio being a part of that. It was now great to jump to the retail side of the desk, work for a company like Quick Trip that gives us a lot of capabilities and resources uh, to move the needle, promote our products, our company, build our brand and uh, execute at a high level. And 
So that was a transition, you know, working in media to uh, the last seven years of working in retail. And it's been, it's been a great ride. I'm curious, because uh, it seems like you come from, you know, sales and probably really tight-knit teams. And now it feels like you're in a leadership role where you're building a team or maintaining a team and building team culture. Uh, can you talk about that transition of going from being on that the other side to being the director in marketing and 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 trying to get this brand out? It's interesting. I, I'm sharing with our, our CEO, um, who is now is the son of our owner who retired uh, back at the end of the year. So he's working on his transition uh, into his new role and now leading you know a, a multi-billion dollar company here in La Crosse, Wisconsin. But I was talking a little bit about when I came on board, you know, nearly seven years ago, I think we had about 15 coworkers in marketing. And so uh, I jumped in at that point and here it is, you know, six and a half, seven years later, we have well over 50 on our team today and handling a lot more initiatives than we did uh, six and a half years ago. And the world's changed. I mean, I just think about digital and social just in the last seven years, how that's exploded. And we handle everything from packaging and design and all the creative assets and all of the AV, all the video that we produce all comes out of marketing. And obviously you need to have teams of talented people and equipment and, and uh, technology to make that happen. Uh, we handle all of our in-store signage and digital display and print and handle most of our outdoor. You know, we handle all of that pretty much in-house. We really don't have any agencies. Our business is so fast moving and we're unique in our space again because we do things quickly here and because we're a family-owned company we can make a decision like this morning and be activating and working on execution here this afternoon and by next week be in store and, and be ready to roll but because we move so quickly we also thought you know we just need to bring that expertise in-house so we can move quickly you know by the time i by the time i meet with an agency to tell them what we're doing we'd be moving on you know to a new initiative and so it's been great, again, working for a company that has allowed me to hire some really great people. Um, certainly, again, all of loyalty rolls up under us as well. We have about 3.6 million members on a loyalty program that all runs through uh, the marketing department, and it's a big budget, and it allows us to engage at a really personal level. Well, that didn't exist seven years ago, you know? So I think about the team that we've got now that handles loyalty and all the execution on that side of our business is pretty it's, it's pretty significant. So um, we handle all facets of, of what we do here in the, in the marketing department at Quitrip, but it's allowed me again to hire some really great people, quality people. And the one thing that I'll, I'll mention very quickly, because you talk about team building, what makes uh, Quitrip a little bit unique, and maybe we've touched on this in earlier conversations, but the company that uh, our company is actually controlled again by, by a family that owns their company, and they are committed to sharing uh, 40% of our pre-tax profits with every single employee. And when you share 40% of your pre-tax profits, it allows you to hire a high caliber person who is really, really good at their job or cares deeply about their job, just because we have such a vested interest on in what we do from an execution standpoint, uh, not only in marketing, but in every department at Quick Trip, uh, because we all, again, have a vested interest. I mean, we share in four cents of every 10 that this company makes. And so um, it, it supplies that benefit, profit sharing, some great benefits, um, some great pay, and again allows us to bring the expert team, the expertise in to build that team um, of highly motivated people that uh, are, are purely passionate about what they do every day. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Wow. Um, can you talk about how you connected to your influencer marketing? You said you work with over fifty influencers. 
Yeah, I think we do. Uh, I think I know it's well over 40. You know, for us, we do have a, a team of people that oversee influencer marketing. It started a few years ago with uh, a comedian here in the Midwest who's been really successful for us. We've also expanded it into a, two, a few athletes as well. That's for us. <clears throat> but again, we've done a lot in the micro influencer space as well. Again, just looking for those pockets of people who like to travel or they like to cook. They have specific hobbies and they might have, you know, two, three, four thousand uh, followers and maybe even less in some cases. But it's given us an opportunity to really be um, creative with them, to create unique content. Um, and for us, again, you know, you know, we have well over a million followers, as I mentioned earlier, on our platform. And one of the things that we can do with some of our influencers is we can we can reciprocate. Right. We can give them a platform as well on a very large platform that uh, allows them to grow their followers uh, as well. So really we work in partnership with a lot of our influencers. It's kind of a win-win situation for us, but they're super authentic. They create great content. You know, I think if, if you wonder, if you see a piece of content, you wonder like, Hey, I wonder if they were paid to do that. They're doing a great job. Right. I think, <laughs> yeah. again, when you see a yeah. piece of content, knowing that somebody was paid to do it, well, it's probably not all that authentic, but our people are genuine and super authentic and they do, again, just a great job for us. But we do have somebody that handles and manages uh, that entire department for us. Wow, that's awesome. I think QuickTrip is one of my favorite accounts to follow on the social media platforms I'm part of. I'm not part of TikTok um, yet, but never say never. And I think that's one of the best things that you guys do is it's it comes across authentic it's not salesy. It's just somebody's honest take, which is just so nice because we're being sold to on every single platform, especially digital. So when you're served up that, I think it's just such a nice like breath of fresh air, if you will, that, with who you guys work with. And that says a lot about your company overall. Kind of going off of that a little bit, are there any new and exciting initiatives that QuickTrip has coming up that you can highlight? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, we typically every summer kind of have a high profile uh, sweepstakes or promotion that we do. Uh, a few years ago, we gave away a Corvette, which was a fun promotion that uh, concluded yeah. by giving uh, somebody uh, somebody a, a brand new Corvette, which is awesome. Um, last year, we had a, a great promotion, kind of a partnership with Winnebago. We gave away um, about a $210,000 RV, which was really neat. So Wow. You just kind of cringe wondering if your owner can uh, afford the taxes on uh, guys, but um, <laughs> yeah. but it's been it's been fun. We always decide if we're going to do something, let's cut through the clutter and give away something that's really kind of cool. So this year, this year we're actually working with uh, the Bennington Pontoon uh, uh, brand, and, and we're giving away a brand wow. new this summer. So we're going to do a a loyalty sweepstakes. We're kind of partnering with Pepsi and Mountain Dew and Bennington, and uh, this promotion will start in mid May. Run about 90 days, but at the conclusion, somebody's going to get one heck of a nice pontoon to enjoy. Wow. Uh, the last part of the summer. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> I love That's that. awesome. <laughs> That's got to be so satisfying to see, you know, like to roll up with it or to like see that reaction on someone's yeah. face. I would agree. It is a lot of fun. And usually, again, we have really nice winners, you know, which is really nice too. You know, when you can give a prize away to somebody who is really authentically like super excited that they, they've just won something. So that's a lot of fun as well. Well, we have one more segment. Uh, these are questions that we ask to every guest that comes on more about you um, apart from your marketing efforts. Uh, the first question is, what have you done recently for the very first time? Well, I recently went out to the Middle East 
Nice. And for the very first time, I had a chance to float in the Dead Sea. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. The buoyancy in that thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had a chance to do that. So that's the, the that's the thing that comes to mind is I had an opportunity to float the Dead Sea for the first time. And I'd, I'd like to do it again, but at least I got the first time under my belt. Yeah, that's right. amazing. <laughs> what brought you out there? You know, we went out and did a, uh, we started in uh, Rome and uh, spent three days in Rome and then flew to Israel. And we basically toured the country of Israel. Oh, and wow. actually even did a stint in Jordan as well. But it was, uh, that was just one of the, the cool things that we got to do there. Oh, outside of seeing uh, Petra, which was one of the seven wonders of the world. We had a chance to see that along with the Coliseum. So I got to knock out two of the uh, seven <laughs> wonders of the world. Yeah. Petra's the, um, it's, it's sort of featured in the Indiana Jones. It's on the side of the cliff. Just yeah. that beautiful. Got it. Yeah. That's an amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's so beautiful. Uh, our second yeah. question is, if you weren't invited to a show and tell right now, is there an item that you think you would bring and why? So I grew up a, a diehard Packer fan in the 70s and the 80s when they were just pathetic. Yeah. You know, they're awful. <laughs> yeah. So when the when the Packers, you know, finally started getting good in the 90s and they had Brett Favre and started to rival the Dallas Cowboys to finally get through the Cowboys and, and make it maybe do a Super Bowl. Well, they, they did go in 1996. So I would bring my Super Bowl tickets from 1996. Oh, wow. uh, that would awesome. be my that would be my show and tell because I thought if the Packers ever go to the Super Bowl, which I never thought they would in my lifetime after growing up with the Packers, that I would do whatever it took to get down to New Orleans for that Super Bowl and uh, had a chance to attend that game. So that would be my show and tell item or my my Super Bowl tickets from 96. Yeah, that's so. amazing. That is my favorite show and tell yeah. item that anyone's ever said. <laughs> Only because I'm a Packers fan. <laughs> okay, there you go. I feel bad because I grew up a Denver Broncos fan in much the same light. And then Sorry. the following year, <laughs> we met your Packers in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that became the best Super Bowl of my young, young life. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't remember that game. So I'm just uh, choosing to go with <laughs> the 96 season. Never which I happened. Technically, never, happened. Yeah, never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So our final question is, uh, if you were to meet a younger version of yourself, uh, meet yourself at a younger age, what piece of advice do you think you would give? Well, I think, you know, looking back over, you know, over 30 years now for me, I think I told myself 30 years ago, just to give people a lot of grace, you know, be, be kind, be forgiving. I think, um, like a year and a half from 60, which, you know, it just seems like life is just going by real quick right now, you know, realizing life is hitting people all the time. It just is, you know, either like you're in the middle of a, a tough situation or you're coming out of one or, you know, the way life works should be going into one. And I, I think again, just knowing that the people that you work with every day are just dealing with stuff, you know? And, uh, I think again, just to extend grace and to have patience with people and, and just to uh, take a step back and uh, not speak too quickly and, and don't be slow, you know, be, be slow to anger. And, and just, again, I think to, uh, to be, to, to fault on the side of being kind is probably the right thing to do. I think, again, just knowing that life can be pretty tough for people. And um, I think it's tougher today probably than it ever has been uh, for a lot of different reasons. But uh, I think that's probably what I tell myself is just relax, take a deep breath and, and uh, err on the side of uh, just being kind. So. I That's perfect. That. I yeah. love that. Mark, this has been such a lovely uh, conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, if there's yes, anything else you. that 
you'd like to plug or you'd like to to chat about. We have a little bit of time, but uh, if not, it's just been such an honor to have you on this on this episode. Appreciate the invitation. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, when you get to the Midwest, you know, if you've got a choice, you got to stop. You got to take that right or that left into a, into a quick trip. No, you're, you, you got to be intrigued if you're listening to this podcast. What is quick trip all about? But we are unique in our space. We really are. So um, if you get a chance to visit a store, we'd love to have you. Quick trip with a K. That's yes. it. Quick trip with a K. Yes. <laughs> Not to be mistaken with the Q. <laughs> Does that ever uh, produce like rivalry or anything? Well, I can tell you, we have some fun on social platforms. <laughs> yes, you do. And uh, I will say that uh, I had a conversation with somebody in the Quick Trip marketing department uh, months ago, many months ago. And um, we we had a different topic we were talking about. And he was very complimentary of our of our social team. And, and uh, he basically told his team, I'm not sure if you really want to go head to head. Like if you want to get into it with these guys, because they're just so witty. And we really are. I, don't, <laughs> I read some of the commentary sometimes on Twitter and I'm like, who thought it? You know, I wish I were half that smart or half that witty, but it really is kind of fun to engage. And we do. Sometimes we have fun with a lot of the different C-store brands that we can compete with. And our uh, social teams go at it a little bit and just have some fun. So it's, it's a great platform for that. You're listening to a Brand Folder podcast where we like to say... Strong brands live here. Join us as we build the Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. And if you feel inspired, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Until next time, this has been the Brand Collective.